0: Turn to Revelation chapter number one to uh, begin with this evening and uh, do, uh, do you remember Sunday school on Sundays now right here in this room Pastor Barron teaches 10 o'clock before the 11 o'clock service come for a double portion of the word of God and that's for adults. There's other teen classes downstairs, children's classes. And everybody should be a part of uh, Sunday School, as we will see in our lesson tonight, why that is, okay? But we're glad to have you this evening, and uh, let us continue to pray one for another. Okay, for anyone that's new or anybody that's watching, this is lesson number three, lesson number three of six lessons On the subject of how to understand the Bible, how to personally understand the Bible, listen, it is God's will that every one of you in this room understand the Bible. It is God's will. Uh, Don't talk yourself out of it. That is God's will. Not not that you'll ever understand the whole thing, uh, but that you understand the the Bible uh, as needed in your life and to help others. Uh, so, uh, let us learn how to understand the Bible, and I appreciate the comments <coughs> so far of, of the help that it has been to some. We come up to Lesson 3 tonight, as you see uh, at the top of your notes, and Lesson 3 is entitled, Rudiments to Understanding the Bible. This will be Part 1, Part 2 will be next week, Lesson 4, and then we'll have Lessons 5 and 6. We'll which will be more practical, nuts and bolts type of ideas that can help you uh, do a Bible study on your own and uh, learn things uh, from the Scriptures. Now, Lesson 1 is over here on this music stand, right here to my left, and the two handouts that went with Lesson 1. And Lesson 2 is over there. Lesson number 1 was understanding the organization of the Bible. That will help you understand the Bible. If you know how it is organized, remember Bible means library, it's divided into two major divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament, those major divisions are divided into books, Uh, there's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, those books are divided into uh, verses, or chapters rather, chapters depending on the size of the book, some have uh, boy 150 chapters in Psalms 66 chapters in Isaiah others have one chapter like 2 John 3 John but then those chapters are further divided into verses and then there's seven books in the New Testament that if you have a red letter edition of the Bible which I would recommend to you as a Bible study aid those red letters are the words of Christ the words of Christ Because the Bible does not use quotation marks, and therefore you will know when you are reading the words of Christ. You may have a red letter edition uh, tonight, and we've asked you to turn to Revelation 1 3. And you'll notice in parts of the chapter that we're going to read, or or later that we're not going to read, are red letters. Those are the words of Christ. Lesson number two last week was the most important lesson of all six. And that was simply to know the author, know the author, the author of the Bible is God. And if you'll know him, the author and know that by the person of the Holy Spirit, remember God is a Trinity, God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. And when you get saved and trust in the Lord, Jesus said these words, we will come and abide in you. Uh, when he was given his last discourse in the upper room. He said, we will come and abide in you. And he does that in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible was written by holy men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. He lives inside of you. And if you will know him and rely on him as the teacher, the Bible says he has the capability of teaching you all all things he actually uses that phrase twice in first corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 and in john 14 and verse 26 he will teach you all things okay so anything else i can say beyond that is is under that let's put it that way in importance know the author have fellowship with the author, ask the author to teach you the Bible as you read it and meditate and the other things that we're going to learn. So that brings us up to lesson three, rudiments. By rudiments, we mean first things, beginning things, fundamentals, entrance level type of stuff. That's what we mean by rudiments. And our lesson tonight, lesson number three, is rudiments to understanding the Bible, Now, there are three that are contained in this verse, Revelation 1 and verse 3, and then I have transferred these three into three points on your lesson tonight. As I read Revelation 1 and verse number 3, let's look for the three things that are rudiments to understanding the Bible. It says this, Blessed is he that number one readeth, And they that, number two, hear the words of this prophecy. And number three, keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So we've taken those three rudiments out of Revelation 1, 3, and we've transferred those over to our notes, which, as you see on your notes, point number one, read the Bible constantly. Point number two, hear the word. Um... And I'm going to uh, expand that to be not just in your own personal uh, Bible reading, but hear it. Expounded through preaching, teaching, church attendance, counseling, etc. And I'll we'll expand on that with other scriptures. And then number three, it says, keep it, or as I've written on your notes, number three, practice what you hear, do it. Practice what you hear, do it. For that word keep means to attend to carefully, to guard, to observe. Uh, and, we do, and, and we accomplish that by doing it. And so uh, we see that in Revelation 1 and verse 3. And it begins with the word blessed. All right? God's going to bless you if you'll do these three things. He's going to bless you if you read the word. He's going to bless you if you hear. And that means comprehend uh, what he's trying to say to you. And then he's going to bless you if you keep it and observe to do what is written And uh, so that's the whole lesson tonight, but we'll go back through it now and uh, just uh, explain the uh, points here uh, a little bit. And then we'll have three more rudiments next week in lesson four. And then lessons five and six will be on studying the Bible and just some practical nuts and bolts kind of thing that maybe helped me or I've heard have helped other people and will help you be a Bible student. But God, it's God's will that you... uh, Know the Bible. So number one, we need to read the Bible constantly. We need to read the Bible constantly. We can, for instance, read through the Bible in 20 minutes a day. We can do that and end up reading through the Bible in a year. You can read through the Bible in a year by reading about 20 minutes a day. And that is not speed reading. That's not speed reading. You might say, I'm not that good of a reader. No, this is just average pulpit rate type of uh, reading uh, that you might hear somebody read in uh, public, 20 minutes a day. Now, I ask this question, I very rarely ever get the right answer. And that is, how many minutes are there in a day? And uh, a lot. That is a, that is a good observation. But some of you math geniuses might be able to figure that out right in your head without using your phone or whatever gadget you have on your wrist or something. How many minutes do you think there are in one 24-hour day? Anybody want to shout out a couple of, uh, what do you say? 1440, very good, Tracy. Uh, Believe me, there's not many people that get that. Uh, Right, but this is the number of uh, minutes there are in a day. And uh, just trust me from experience, a lot of experience, uh, I read through the Bible slowly. I've read through it 50 times at least, but I read through it slowly. I've never sped read through the Bible. Uh, I read through it slowly, deliberately. I personally read, uh, study Bible, so I'm not only reading the scriptures, but I'm reading all kinds of notes Every day, and I do it in about twenty minutes a day. Now there are one thousand four hundred and forty minutes in a day, and so twenty uh, minutes is about one point five percent of the day. It's not that much. I just want to show you these, just so you don't talk yourself out of doing this. Uh, don't don't say don't look at the big volume. Of the Bible and say I just can't do it. No, just look at one day. Yeah. Just look at one day, and uh, what you can do. A system I use: I just take the number of um, uh, pages in, in whatever Bible I happen to be reading. The, the number of pages are all different, and then I divide it by 365 days. And this this year I'm reading a Bible, a Rock of Ages Study Bible. And it comes out to 4.92 pages a day. And so I round that up to five. And I read five pages and all the notes in that Rock of Ages study Bible, and it takes me about 20 minutes. It takes me about 20 minutes a day to start my day. And uh, you don't have to read study Bibles. Just read the text. Just read the Word of God, and you can do it. Do not talk yourself out of being able to do it, you can do it. You can do it. And even if you divide it up and do 10 minutes in the morning or 10 minutes at night or both. And so if you wanted to read the Bible through twice in a year, how many minutes would you have to read it in a day? 40, all right, 40. There's people that do that. They read through the Bible. I've done that many times where I read through it twice a year. If you want to read through the Bible three times in a year, how many minutes do you need to read a day? Then be 60. Okay, I've done that myself uh, where I've read it through three times in a year. Now, I bring that out just to say, how much time does the average, say, American watch television a day? I mean, it's, it's, it's way up depending on what source, three, four, six hours a day. And uh, the Bible is far more important than anything that you'll ever watch on television. Far more important. In fact, there's not much important that you'll ever watch on television. And so we can do it. I want to encourage you, number one, don't talk yourself out of doing it. You can do it. So number one, read the Bible constantly. Read the Bible constantly. You cannot understand anything that you are not familiar with. All right? You cannot understand anything you are unfamiliar with. I got a new chair recently. Came in a box for my desk. You know, the one with the wheels on it so you can all kinds of stuff. And, um... When I took it out of the box, and it was in pieces, and all kinds of nuts and bolts and washers and pistons and wheels and plastic things, and believe me, looking at that, <clears throat> I came to the conclusion, I cannot understand how to put this thing together myself. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not going to happen. But they included a book, a booklet of instructions on construction and how to put the chair together. And so I consulted that, and I just went very slowly, one point at a time, put this here and so on, and this nut, and they they had a, a chart on how big the bolt was and how big the nut was, and this one goes in here, and pretty soon I had the chair together. And it works perfectly because I became familiar with the instruction booklet And now, if I buy another chair for the other room that needs one, uh, I will be able to put that together much easier the second time. And then if I ever did it the third time or the fourth time until finally I'd get to the point where I could just put those together and sell them or something. I don't know (laughs) what I could do. But uh, you, you cannot understand anything that you are unfamiliar with. And so it will help you understand in the Bible if you just become familiar with it by reading the whole thing, the entire contents. Now you might not want to start that way. You might want to start if you're a brand new believer in Jesus Christ. You might want to start in the Gospels and learn about the Lord Jesus Christ that you just trusted as your Savior and um, learn about who he is, what he did, what he said. That would be a great place to start. As we mentioned in Lesson 2, you don't walk into a library and grab the first book that you come to and start reading that and then say, I've got to read all these books in order to get to the one I came in for. No, you go right to the subject. And the Bible, as we saw in Lesson 1, is divided in order by subjects. So, if somebody said to you, I want to learn about Jesus Christ, I want to learn about his life, I want to learn about what he did and what he said, where would you instruct that person to go to in the Bible? The Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I, I prefer to try to get them to read the Gospel of John and I was just talking with somebody Saturday that just recently got saved, and he's been reading the Gospel of John. And I told him that is a good book to start with. That's a good book to start with. Because in the Gospel of John, you're going to see in almost every chapter, Jesus is dealing one-on-one with some individual. It may be a very, very good person, like a Nicodemus in chapter 3, It may be a fallen woman in chapter 4. It might be a blind man by the pool of Bethesda uh, in in chapter number 5, and on and on and on you go. But eventually, eventually you're going to want to say to the person, listen, start at the front of the Bible, spend 20 minutes a day, and become familiar with the whole thing. And I promise you, by experience, the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and this is a marathon, you will understand it more and more and more and more as you simply, number one, read the Bible constantly. Read it constantly. And I'm to the point now where I'm able to say, I know what's coming next. I know what this book's about. And not that I know everything in it, but you can become very familiar with the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'll read this for you, verse number 13. Uh, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, a young preacher, he said, Till I come, give attendance to reading. Give attendance to read. Pay attention, Timothy, to your reading. And I don't know what he had available to read, but I'm sure there were some of the scriptures available. And then he says the next thing, to exhortation, to doctrine. And I want you to notice now, point number two tonight, hear the word expounded through preaching, teaching, church attendance, counseling, etc. There uh, are times where, where the Bible is a very, very individual thing, and I encourage you under number one is to have your own station. If you've got room in your home, in your apartment, in your bedroom, have a permanent station where you leave your Bible. I mean, you can go to home to my house, my wife's, my, my, our house. My wife's got a station there. She's got her own desk. I never sit there. That's her station. I've got my own desk in my office. That's my station. The Bible's right there where I left off reading this morning so I can sit down tomorrow with no frustrations. I'm not going to say, where's my Bible? Where was I? Nope, it is right there, and I have a station to read at every single day, and so does she. And uh, have a station and read it constantly. This, number one, is something you do at home. Now, number two, we do mainly at church. But number two, hear the word expounded through preaching, teaching, church attendance, and counseling. Now the word hear, when it says again in our verse tonight, blessed is he that readeth, number one, and that hear the words of this prophecy. There's a little difference now between the word listen and the word hear. You might be listening to me tonight, but not hearing a word I said. And uh, that is just evidenced physically that your ears are working. That you're not deaf. And, uh, but if an hour from now somebody quizzed you about, about what you listened to in church and you didn't have any answers, you did not hear. You did not hear. This word here in the Bible is the word Jesus chooses on purpose over and over again. I'll show you examples. Where it goes beyond listening to comprehending. Comprehending what is being said. And so be sure you go beyond listening to hearing or comprehending. The phrase, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, is repeated in Matthew eleven fifteen, Mark 4, verse 9, Luke 8, and verse 8, and Luke chapter 14 and verse 35. And these are all the words of Jesus. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He that hath ears to comprehend what is being said, let him hear. He didn't say, y'all listen to me now. No, he said, he that hath ears to hear. In Luke 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, blessed are they that hear. Well, that's just what we heard in Revelation 1. Blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth. Would you like to be blessed? Blessed. There are so many sources of blessings for you in the Bible. All right? Not all the Beatitudes. What's there, nine of them? But your relationship with the Bible can be a blessing to you. you. God will bless you if you read it. God will bless you if you hear it. And number three today, we're going to see God will bless you if you keep it and do it. And here again, he says in Luke chapter 11, <clears throat> in verse 28, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Now, I don't know if that was John in Revelation 1, 3 saying, Oh, yeah, I remember when Jesus said this. And he repeated it in the book he was writing, too. Notice the special place of the church in this matter. To the churches, Jesus said seven times. These are the churches in Asia. And he says this in Revelation 2, verse 7. Verse 11, verse 17, verse number uh, 29. And then again in Revelation 3, 6, 13, and 22. Seven times to all seven churches, he ends with these exact words seven times. He says this, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Okay, so the Spirit says things to people at home, who are reading, hearing, and keeping your own, we might call it personal devotions, if you want to call it that. But, but we've seen in point number one, it's an individual thing. But in point number two, we also see that there is a special place also where the Lord will give fuller revelation to you. And that is when you, listen, honor him with your presence at the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord, the house of God is mentioned 300 times in the Bible. I counted them exactly 300 times. All right, it is a very special place in the Bible. There is a place called the house of the Lord or the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And when we honor the Lord, and you're here tonight, you've come out on a Wednesday night on a beautiful night in February in western New York. What a great day. But you have honored the Lord, you've gotten your car, you came from work, some of you are in your work clothes, you're so tired, you've been working all day. But you've honored the Lord and come to the Lord's house. And God says that that is a special place. And he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. When, just prior to this, when John was writing in chapter 1, it says about his own personal life in Revelation 1 and verse 10, it says this about him personally. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice As of a trumpet. Now, I know this is figurative speaking, but the Lord's Day, Sunday, John was in the Spirit. Now, where was he? He's on the Isle of Patmos with a bunch of criminals. I doubt if he was in church unless he was having his own church service. I think he was all alone, but he, he had enough sense to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. That was a special day. Now, as a result of him being in the spirit on the Lord's day, what happened to him? It says this, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. See that? When he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he heard something. He heard something. And I believe if you and I are in the spirit on the Lord's day, we will hear something. The voice as of a trumpet. And who begins to speak? Jesus. If you have a red letter edition, you see in verse 11 this voice, the sound of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega. And it, he says, Now I got something for you to do. And that's uh, a lot of times what happens on Sunday. God reveals for us things for us to do. He says, I want you to write letters to these seven churches in Asia. And after the Lord says that, verse 12 says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and behold, uh, I'm sorry, and and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, what are these seven golden candlesticks? This is uh, translated for us in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. All right. So there's a picture there, but the seven candlesticks are the seven churches in verse number 12. But notice verse 13. And in the midst... Of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. You see how special. A special place on earth is the church. Now you can go to school in town, you can go to the library in town or wherever, but that's not the special place where Jesus. And notice in verse 13 the word midst, in the midst. You know, the second time the word church ever comes up in the New Testament is in Matthew 18. The first time is in Matthew 16. First time the word church is ever mentioned, Jesus said this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What a prophecy. Because at the time there were no churches. And today there's just thousands and thousands. How many churches have there been in the last 2,000 years? I don't know. But boy, he sure kept his word. I will build my church. Two chapters later... He's talking about the church, again, for the second time in Matthew 18. And you come to verse 20. And in the context of the church, in the same paragraph, keep it in context. He says this. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. In the midst, in the midst, in the midst, just like John saw. In the midst of the churches, of seven churches of Asia. Asia, one like the Son of Man. Jesus Christ. Where does Jesus hang out at? The church. I'm not trying to be irreverent. That's just a special place where Jesus is going to be is in the church. And where does the Holy Spirit speak to the churches? He'll speak at home to you. Number one, when you personally read the Bible, study it, At at, at home, he'll he'll speak, he'll teach you, he'll teach you all things. But then he'll teach you again in a special way at the church. And uh, how many times I have experienced this, and you have too, if you would be honest. Saturday, we had our men's breakfast here at the church. We had a young pastor uh, who had only been ordained for a month. He was 32. I'm 66. I've been ordained for 40, almost 41 years. I did not come like this. What can he teach me? No, no, I came with a humble heart, and we'll talk about that in the next lesson. And I said, Lord, you've ordained this young man. I have known him since he was a boy, and you have used him, and I pray that you would use him this Saturday morning at men's breakfast, speak to my heart. And I sat there, and like I always do, I always find paper, pen. I'm sorry, I don't have the photographic mind you all have. I have to write down things, and God gives me things. I write all over Bibles. And sure enough, he said a couple things Saturday where I said, man, I have never thought about that in my life. I have never worded it that way. I'm glad I was here, to hear what he said. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks to the churches. It's a special place where you honor him, and he will speak. Hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He speaks to individuals, but he also speaks to the churches. And what church attendance is about is, is us listening to preachers, teachers, elders, testimonies, singing, people who have learned things you've never learned before, and they share them with the congregation, and then we all learn. Doesn't matter who it is. I don't care if it's a missionary just come out of Bible college. And they're up here and they're they're teaching us or preaching the word of God. I can't tell you how many times God's spoken to me. I remember. Uh, I remember meeting Lee Roberson many times, many of you don't know him, but he was a tremendous minister down in Tennessee, he had a very large church of about 10,000 people, and they they planted almost 150 churches out of this church around Tennessee and Georgia. But I met him on many occasions before he died, he lived to be 90, I think 95, and and I can remember him sitting every time. Every time I ever saw him, he was sitting. I, he, would, he would be sitting on that chair right there, no matter where he went to church. And he'd have his Bible open, and he'd have papers, papers like this, and he would never look at the preacher. He'd just be writing down things as fast as he could. Didn't matter who was speaking. Didn't matter who was speaking. And I said, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to learn till I die. I want to learn till I die, and I want to trust you by faith that you give your ministers the word of God. It says in Mark 4 and verse 24, Jesus said this. Now listen to this. This is great. Mark 4, 24. And unto you that hear shall more be given. And to you that hear, not listen, but those you that hear shall more be given. If we go to church and say, I'm here to hear. I'm not here to listen. I'm not here to daydream. I'm not here to, can't wait till this is over so I can get out. I'm here to hear something. Unto you that hear shall more be given. That's a promise from our Lord. He'll just keep giving you more and more and more. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. What a compliment now the church at Thessalonica receives from the Apostle Paul as he's writing to them this first letter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. And this will make a preacher thank God, believe me. Because when you receive the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So I want you to notice under number two here, this is one way we can understand the Bible, by going to church, listening to the preachers. Now, preachers are not perfect. I'm not perfect. Once in a while they may say something off, but for the most part, God is going to speak through them. The word of God, he said, you receive that not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. As if they're preaching the Bible, they're preaching the word of God. Peter said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so when I go to church, I'll be in church next Tuesday for five sessions at the preacher's fellowship in Butler. I'll be doing the first session. After that, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to hear. I'm going to try to comprehend what God is saying to me. And I hope it's going to be a good day for me in the house of the Lord, hearing, and I'm going to receive it, not as the word of men. I'm not going to sit there critical like, yeah. all right, he's opening to this text. I know this one already. What's he going to teach me? <laughs> What's he going to teach me? No, I'm not going to do that. I want to be that Lee Roberson sitting there with notes and my pen and uh, writing down things that God shows me. And so this is how we need to go to church, like they did here in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 13. And you will learn to understand the Bible a lot if you will come with a good spirit and hear it and not just listen at the church where Jesus dwells in the midst and where the Holy Spirit saith, things to the churches. Now last of all, we need to practice what you hear. We need to keep the word of God. That's number three. Practice what you hear. Notice what happens in John 7 and verse 17. If you turn there real quick. John 7 verse 17, Jesus says this, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine... Whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now notice the word do. This is the third thing tonight. The rudiments. You've got to read it. You've got to hear it, comprehend it. But then you've got to do what the Bible says. You've got to do what it says. And it says a lot about a lot of things. You know, I know as a husband, I've read the Bible over and over and over again. What am I supposed to do? What is God Recommending that I do as a husband, and so I take it from the pages of the Bible and I exercise it the best I can—not perfectly, but I exercise the best I can—and I can say after forty-four years, it works. It works anywhere. Anyone will work it if any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine. That means further revelation. Do what you've been taught, and you'll get further revelation. Now, listen, this is just life. This is common sense. If you go to school to be an airplane pilot, there is so much you will learn in the classroom of instruction. I mean, they'll try to be thorough with you. They'll get experienced teachers in there who are way ahead of you. Uh, as pilots, experienced pilots, and they will tell you how to fly an airplane. But eventually, you got to do it. Eventually, you got to go in the cockpit with the instructor. And then he'll show you, and you'll learn more by doing it. <clears throat> but eventually, he's going to say, now you get in. And you're going to fly the plane. And then eventually, I'm getting out. Now you fly the plane. And believe me, I I don't know how to fly planes, but I'm sure every pilot that you interview will say that in the doing of it, the classroom instruction made sense, more sense. In fact, I have learned a whole lot more. I can remember in the Army going to AIT school and then getting to the field afterwards. And as soon as you get to the field, they say, now forget everything you learned in the classroom. And now you're going to learn it by experience. Now you're going to learn it by experience. And that's true in anything in life. Anything in life. Uh, Being a mechanic or anything. There's only so much you can get from the classroom. But then eventually you've got to do what you've learned. And then all of a sudden as you're doing it, you're saying, "That's that's what he meant. 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 It's the same thing with the Bible. You you go to to church or you have your own Bible reading time, and then you say, Okay, I got to do this. You you come across Matthew 6, and Jesus says, When you pray. All right? But then all of a sudden, you start praying. And all of a sudden, man, that worked. And, hey, God answered this prayer. Hey, guess what, everybody? And you start popping up at testimony time saying, God answered prayer. There was a guy named George Mueller. Some of you know about him. Back in the 1800s, I think it was 1900s, late, uh, in Bristol, England, he started the orphanages. And and, uh, by the end of his life, he cared for 120,000 of them. Of course, he had a lot of help. God sent him a lot of help. But he started by himself with 26 orphans, him and his wife, off the streets of uh, Bristol. And uh, he started clothing them, feeding them, housing them, educating them, all of it. By the time George Mueller was 20, if you read his biography, he he said this, by the time I was 20 years old, I had committed every single vile, wicked sin a 20-year-old man could possibly be involved in. Now, people who aren't very smart think, well, God can never use a guy like that. Oh, wrong. Uh For the next 75 years, he became what some people have called the greatest prayer warrior that has ever walked the earth. And when he died, they found his journal that he and his wife wrote, and they found 20,000 prayers. And when God answered the prayers recorded uh, in his uh, prayer journal, in her prayer journal, Now, I want you to understand something. There was a day when George Mueller did not know the first thing about prayer. He didn't know a thing. And then he started learning. He got saved on a Wednesday night Bible study, prayer meeting. And uh, somebody taught him about prayer, and eventually George Mueller said, I am going to do that. You know what he spent the last 20 years of his life doing? Not working in orphanages anymore. He traveled extensively all over the world because people were demanding that you please come and teach us how to pray. A man who never knew how to pray learned in the classroom, began to practice it, and said at the end of his life, I'm never shocked anymore when God answers a prayer. I'm only shocked when he doesn't. His God is the same as your God. And you can go as far with prayer as you want to. It's up to you. Learning about it, but then you've got to do it. Then you've got to do it. Many other examples we could give tonight, but we're going to close there. And, and, and so anything... You can learn financial principles in the Bible, but you can die broken in debt because you didn't do you didn't do any of them. All right, I'm serious. I've seen believers. Well, you know you're supposed to and 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 marriage principles and family principles and employment principles and uh, there's so much instruction in the Bible, but you gotta. Do it. So there's just those three things tonight rudiments. You got to read it. You, you can't ever quit reading the Bible and just get more and more familiar with it. You got to hear it. You got to comprehend what's being said. And then you got to do it. You got to do it. And um, so I hope you go home and start doing it. Start doing what God said to you tonight. I don't know what God said to you. He speaks to our hearts while I'm preaching out into the air. we got to do it. All right, let us pray. Father, it is your will that we all understand the Bible. Not everything about it, but understand what we need in our lives and what we can share with others that they need. And so help us. Lord, it's your perfect will that everybody here read the scriptures. It's not just for some. That everybody here, that they don't just listen or just speed read, but hear what you're trying to say to them that day, and that we do it. We take what we learn in the classroom, and we take it home and do it. And in doing it, you show us more. And so, Lord, help these truths and bless our next three lessons and help us the rest of this week now. And we just want to pray that the special uh, activities in so many churches like a Sweetheart Banquet might help every single marriage without exception. And uh, help every single church because of stronger marriages and families. And, uh, Lord, that you bless our efforts here and everything else coming up. Give us grace now as we go to work tomorrow, go to school tomorrow, whatever it is we do tomorrow. Uh, use us and, and, and keep our eyes open for souls. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so you are dismissed, I think, and uh, praise the Lord. Thanks for coming tonight. Have some fellowship with each other. Um,